Hey, dude, there's a recording in progress. Rumor has it. This is Third Song In with Chris Derrickson and Tom Polachek. Welcome to uh, Third Song In. Uh, this is season two, episode three. And um, for the second time ever, we're having a guest live with us on Zoom. Uh, and I'd like to introduce Andy Armstrong, uh, a friend of Chris and mine from college. We all met when we were freshmen. Uh, Andy was a graduate of the class of 1988 from Washington University some kind of engineering degree i believe it was electrical if i'm not mistaken it, it was electrical yes uh, he also has an mba from bradley university and he is currently the senior vice president of business development uh, with republic companies uh, he seems to be working in two states at the same time these days both uh, illinois and iowa uh, Andy lives very near me in the uh, chicago suburbs uh, and he's also the author of a book called the grace arsenal which is available everywhere, uh, including audiobook. I know Andy recorded uh, the audiobook with uh, with one other person, but he did the whole book himself. It is a book about business, and I, I think kind of a revolutionary look at uh, being successful in business without uh, you know taking other people down at the same time. I, uh, I lifted this directly from his website. He's described as a business leader, coach, mentor, writer, builder, baker. To which I would add friend, confidant, and pastrami sandwich. Uh, <laughs> and, and he also does set designing for, I think, college and high school uh, theatrical productions. I know he's an amateur playwright because I've read the, the uh, scripts. Uh, and he's also an amateur bicyclist, which is how he and I spend pretty much every weekend in the summers here in uh, northern Illinois. So, Andy, welcome to the podcast. It's very nice to see your face on Zoom. How you doing? Long, long time listener, first time caller, <laughs> but uh, very happy to be here. I don't know if I'll measure up to uh, the other of my member of my family who's been here, but to uh, to to Chris's relief, I have brought no letters that you sent me, Chris. So I think we're Thank good God. there. Did you lose them all? Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, I, I've got them hidden in a special place. <laughs> so they're between you and I, my friend. I never nice. got a letter from Chris once. That should tell no. you something, Tom. <laughs> But she sure broke up a few fights of mine. <laughs> you didn't really have to write a letter since we seem to be sitting right next to each other for about five years. Exactly. So, Andy, tell us a little bit about your book, um, because uh, I think uh, I've read the book, and I think it's, uh, first of all, I'm just always impressed that people I know can crank out an entire actual book on their own. Um, but I know that you're doing a lot of work associated with the book still uh, as you work your your day job, so to speak. And uh, um, can you describe what what it's about and uh, yeah. what the idea is? Yeah, um, the business world after 20 years in it um, caused me to look around and say, there's a lot of, whole lot of people in this business world who do things that um, don't seem to be consistent with the per type of person I want to be. Uh, so I started looking at the people who, uh, I respected and acted uh, in, a, in a positive way and, and made hard decisions, but still kept their character strong and, and held true to their values. And the more I learned about it, the more I watched them and the more I studied on my own, the more I found grace to be the right term to describe that. And uh, in a business world today that is very uh, high pressure, is very um, uh, tempting to succumb to the pressures that are there. Uh, people use all sorts of weapons on you to get you to do things that you may not feel are true to your character. I felt that grace was a pretty good defensive weapon to protect yourself, to be the person you want to be. So that's where the term, the grace arsenal came from. It's simply a, a collection of tools that help you stay true to who you want to be. And it, a lot of people have told me since reading the book that it's really not a business book. It's a, it's a life book. It's told in a parable format, so it's really a novel, technically. Um, I don't like to say that because my daughters come home and they say, Daddy wrote a novel. They make fun <laughs> of me all the time. So uh, I try not to go there, but it, it has been a lot of fun. And since I've been doing a lot of speaking on the book and uh, some training on selling with grace, uh, my career in sales and marketing has led to that. So it's it's been a great journey. I've enjoyed doing it, and uh, I, uh, I'm hoping another 10 years and I'll break even. <laughs> but uh, 
it's it's been worth it. It's it's fun to tell the story and share my my trip, and hopefully some folks will get some good out of it. Well, and my connection to the book is is interesting because you talked about this as a as a concept um, on bicycle rides 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and you brought it up to me and I, I didn't, I don't think really grasp what it was exactly you were getting at, or even what kind of format you, you wanted to follow to try to get the thoughts across, but you were definitely hashing it out long before I think you even put pen to paper. Um, and, and to your credit, and probably one of the main reasons I still wrote the book is you didn't laugh once when I talked about it. So <laughs> I, I find it hard to breathe when I'm trying to keep up with you on a bicycle, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can tell you again, having read the book that, um, you know, your background and, and your, you know, pretty much your profession since you got out of school has been involved, I know, in sales and marketing. Um, and But I can tell you as an attorney, having read the book, there were many, many things that you uh, pointed out, many approaches, as you said, many tools that uh, I think do apply uh, in the legal field as well as, you know, a business professional type of field. And I'm sure it's the same way in all kinds of other professions. Absolutely. But uh, it, like I say, it's been a fun journey and uh, um, have a couple of more in my head that I'd like to write. But uh, for now, I'm I'm sticking with the one. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's not why you're here, though. I'm happy that we were able you were able to talk about it a little bit. But you listen to this podcast. You know that uh, our thing is pop culture and in particular music. Chris and I love a playlist. And uh, as we did with your wife, Liz, who was was and always will be our very first guest, there's no way you can uh, beat that. I gave you some uh, heads up and asked you to try to come up with a theme we could use to come up with a mini playlist uh, that we could recommend or at least discuss for the, the listeners. And I think you came up with a very interesting approach. And I think it's based almost entirely on the fact that you've heard the other songs we've recommended over the past, you know, 10 or 12 episodes. Or 20 or 30 years. Fair enough. And listening to the stuff you guys have been suggesting. And I just want to put this in perspective. Um, yeah, you know, the 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 running joke with uh with you, Tom, has been that I love any song as long as it has an out-of-tune banjo in it. Um, <laughs> and the uh the uh um uh, minor keys and the the uh, beats per minute of the song certainly rarely suggest something that's going to make me smile, much <laughs> less dance. So I suggested we look at some optimistic songs because I thought it really stretched both of you. And uh, after suggesting them, the guys were kind enough to share their some of their songs with me. And one of the first ones that that D suggested is the first line of the song is like lock me up in an attic room for God's sake. That's a positive song in his mind. What the hell? The other thing I wanted to ask is, do you guys even know what a metronome is? Because I don't think you have ever listened to a song that has over 120 beats per minute. I don't think it comes in your playlist ever. But that being said, this has been a incredible exercise just going through and learning on my own, what I really believe is an optimistic or feel good song. So it's, it's been a fun journey for me figuring it out. And I'm terrified at how close it came to your taste when I ended up at the end of my list. <laughs> well, well this is, this has definitely stretched me. Um, and I did feel it was a personal attack on me, but I'm now seeing it's a little bit on both of us. So I'm, I'm good with it, but yeah. I, most of my songs that are fast are angry, so they're not uplifting. So I couldn't, I couldn't include those. So I just went with, but not sad, not, not sad. sad. No. The fast songs are not sad; they're just angry, not. angry, <laughs> not sad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think I did all right. They're not, they're not the saddest songs I've ever put on this playlist. They got a little bit of beat to them. No, they're they're and they're to 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 be a little bit more positive. Uh, season one and uh, even the first couple of episodes of season two, what you guys are recommending is great. I I don't want you to change a thing. Uh, this is a fun exercise to walk down a a slightly more positive path. But uh, don't don't change. Keep keep the music coming because you're recommending great stuff. So, do you have a a specific phrase or or way you would want to describe the songs that you're getting ready to recommend to us? Well, in terms of for what me, the I think is? optimistic or feel good songs is a good place to start. And, and uh, first couple of songs I want to talk about, really, I'm not even going to put on my list. I just want to tell you how my brain went because it used to be, if a song had a good beat and felt good, I was like, I'm in, regardless. 
And I think it was Inigo Montoya says that I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> and uh, so often songs from my youth are coming back to haunt me now. And the first one that hit me, it, it, I'm embarrassed to say, guys, this was like a year ago. I listened to it again after remembering it. It just popped into my head. And there's a song called Undercover Angel from Alan O'Day. And it was popular back in 1977. It was a number one hit for a couple of months. And uh, I was 11 years old at the time. And undercover on the angel, just listen to the words. I said, what? She said, ooh, ooh, we. I said, all right. She said, love me, love me, lovely. Love me, love me, love me. Undercover angel, midnight fantasy. I've never had a dream that made sweet love to me. All right. So we're talking about a Dickensian ghost of nocturnal emissions here that comes, <laughs> haunts you in the middle of the night. But then it gets worse. Then she says, she said, go and find the right one. Uh, love her, and then when you look into her eyes, you'll see me again. So every future girl you're with, you're going to see this. And that's what every woman wants, is you to be thinking about your teenage fantasy and a, a wet dream, for God's sakes. So I know my mom heard me singing this song and said I liked it, but holy crap, what was I thinking? Uh, obviously, not a lot at that point. But... Right before you started therapy, is my guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And in the same tune, uh, The Tubes in 83 came out with She's a Beauty. Love that song. Didn't I even think about song. it. But it's about a stripper, for God's sakes. <laughs> it's the lady behind the glass. Uh, you're going to like her because she's got class, right? Really nice. But uh, so, I, so I've so i stepped up from that. Getting to my actual list, I'll, I'll uh, throw in a few. And uh, um, first one, and this one has never fa failed to make me feel good. And if you ever see it live, it's even better. And that's Peter Gabriel and Salisbury Hill. Uh, what I didn't know before this, uh, this podcast research is that he actually wrote that based on a vision he had when he broke away from Genesis and went on to a solo career. So this was basically a, a vision coming to him saying that it was going to be all right. And he was actually on Salisbury Hill in England at the time when he had this vision. So makes it a little even more fun. That's that's another song I really love. That's yeah, one of those songs that I knew it the second I started playing it, but I had no idea that was the title of it. Like there's <laughs> there's so many songs like that where I'm like, I love this song. I, and again, I'll look at Tom's list and be like, what are you picking, Tom? But uh, it's a great song. Good choice. Yeah, the old Bob O'Reilly effect. Exactly. <laughs> what? What's that song? Yeah, I don't think I knew that was the name of that song until I was 30. I don't think it ended up on my list, but I can't tell you, you guys, I think I've already recommended this at one point, but Papa Dookie and the, the Mud People. Oh my God, what a great feel-good song. Mm. Make you want to dance, make you want to holler. I mean, <laughs> how can you feel better than that? But I think next on my list was a song from the Young Rising Suns called Sad. And this is where I started to realize that you guys are influencing me way too much. <laughs> An optimistic song called Sad, but parentheses, clap your hands. And the, the line that got me is that, but I hear still my mama saying, just clap your hands, clap your hands. We're all a little sad. And that really gets to the point that, you know, music is about saying we're all in the same boat together. And uh, sometimes it's just knowing that somebody else is in the same point that you are and knowing that makes it all a little better. So, yeah. I had never heard that song, had not heard of the band either. Um, I really like it. Good choice. Another one has a I nice agree. beat to it. And it just kind of had. Makes me smile. It's got the word um, sad, sad in the title, so I'm good. <laughs> I'll listen to it twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another uh, optimistic thing for me is when someone believes in me. And uh, sometimes I'm just shocked when people do. And Liz, probably more than anyone, she knows all my dirty secrets and has watched me for a long time. And this song really reminds me of her. Uh, and oddly enough, Jukebox of the Ghost is a band that my daughter gave to me. And I really feel like I, you guys have talked about your kids and how their music kind of ends up in your world. And mm -hmm. I, I treat it as a gift. But in this song, even when I'm a drunken mess, you don't care. Still like me better than the rest. I swear. I don't understand it. How you like me when I'm dancing. You know, um, it just, wow. Um, it just kind of hits home. And it's nice to know when people... Uh, um, like you even when you're at your worst it's that's a good message to hear another one and i picked i actually picked one this week for the my son turned me on to um but another band i'd not heard of and uh starting to feel old it was like i don't know like you're the same age as me and i didn't know 
two of the artists on here at all. I'd never heard them. And then when I looked them up, they both had pretty large followings. So they're they're not unpopular bands at all. Yeah, they uh, they just sing happy songs, Chris. So I know that's why I never found them. Thank you for pointing them out. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. Uh, the next uh, uh, is is uh, next category of song for me is is that theory that you really can't control what happens to you, just control how you react to it. And and uh, that for me is Summer Highland Falls. Um, it's an old Billy Joel song that never really got much playtime. It was on Songs in the Attic way back when. And the, the lyric I love is, our reason coexists with our insanity. And though we choose between reality and madness, it's either sadness or euphoria. Mm -hmm. And uh, so much of life these days is about just putting your own spin on it. I mean, there are days I come home and I'm absolutely miserable and anxious and depressed. And the same exact things can happen the next day. And I come home and you're able to face it. So putting that spin on it, making it all work, certainly uh, certainly is is that final piece. That was a Billy Joel song that um, I I just had a conversation about Billy Joel like two days ago, and because I can I can mark the point where I was done with Billy Joel. So he he just performed at the Grammys, and you know it was the first time he's done a pop song or an original pop song a song I think in a decade. Um, but for me, after Glass Houses, there was nothing I wanted to listen to that he played. And uh, this makes it just before that line because I don't think Summer Highland Falls is in Glass Houses. It, it's um, no, it's it was well before The Stranger. It was uh, probably I don't know what original album it was on, but it was uh, uh, Songs in the Attic was actually a live album, and the theory was it was songs that didn't get much playtime, so it was mm -hmm. actually on a previous album to that. But I don't remember the original album, but it was probably uh, gosh, early seventies. Dude, you just gave us something for post facto next week. I did. Congratulations. Nice. I can be part of the club. I may I may have you record the post facto just and we'll stick it in with the rest of it. <laughs> Cause I can't remember the name either of the album. But I do know that it preceded Glass Houses. So it, you know, it every as I said, everything after that I just kind of don't care about with Billy Joel. Including, by the way, the the new one. I didn't think that was all that great. But well, that's I, not fair. He had Christy Brinkley. True. So. I, I respect his lifestyle <laughs> after, but not necessarily the music. Okay, I just just clarifying. So. I think she ruined yeah, the music. I think he was at Wash U, or not at Wash U, in St. Louis, and he performed at the Checker Dome, which has been referenced in this uh, a podcast, and I think she was there, if I recall correctly. Hmm. So yeah. sitting behind the stage, um, I did uh, did attend that concert. It was It was fun. So this brings me to my last and my uh, top of my recommendation. And this is the the journey that really surprised me when I started really thinking about music and, and what it means. And this kind of fits to my book, too. And um, uh, it, it, it's such an odd combination. But when you really think about grief, grief is about optimism and uh, getting to a point you can feel better. And uh, gratitude you know is a big part of grief having gratitude for what is no longer available to you and be it having lost a job lost a relationship lost a loved one you know it's finding that gratitude it's forgiving others for hurting you be it a job a relationship a loved one passing and forgiving yourself that's probably the harder part for the things you did or didn't do in that uh, situation and given that the songs that really tap into that grief process make me feel better now make me feel like i'm um things are going to be okay as, as i'm facing different different pieces that i'm sorting through and and john mellencamp on a, a very recent album um uh was performing with carlene carter most of the songs on that album are with her and there's a song by the name of indigo sunset and i'm just going to read a verse from it Leaves piled on the ground, winter's coming on cold and long. Miss you so much, babe. Hey, but you're still gone. I just close my eyes, see the sun setting on you. And uh, that ability to push past the grief and think about where you're going and and be grateful for what you had and forgive for what's past. Um, there's a lot of optimism and hope and feel good in that if you can, if you can find it. Yeah, that's, I think you, you just cracked it, man. I think it's one of the reasons that I listen to sad songs, you know, is, yeah. is it, I, I think it uh, kind of, I don't know how exactly it works, but it kind of extracts it from you and you, uh, it, you know, makes it a little easier when the song's over or, 
or sometimes the album uh <laughs> that you can you can go ahead and do what you got to do for the you know the next day wake up the next day put your feet on the on the floor so to speak Sometimes it takes two or three times through the one song to find it too. I've certainly been guilty of that. Oh, play some of those on repeat, just over and over and over again, and push that artist's uh, uh, yes. best-known song push all the way up to exactly. the top. Much easier now than it was when we had cassettes and albums, right? Yes, uh, oh, yeah. up every time. Hit, hit the cassette. Oh, I missed. Where's the beginning? Oh, too far. You know you've done it too many times when you could hit it exactly every time. Exactly. Like, boom, I'm on it. You know, the, the band that was like that for me, and I think maybe for, for you, Chris, anyway, was Gear Daddies. Like, yeah. that guy was just, he wrote the saddest songs ever, and I would just literally listen to an album over and over and over again for that. I think for that reason, just to kind of pull you up, you know? Um, I, he was one of the first ones I remember that the, the they were upbeat, but sad as hell. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's a perfect combination for me, especially since I grew up on hair metal. There's <laughs> not, there's all kinds of sad stuff about hair metal. It wasn't the lyrics. <laughs> it's just sad that you were listening. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, that is much, an uh... excellent list, Andy. Well, thank uh, you. You sent us the list ahead of time. I listened to all of them. Some of them I knew, obviously, Salisbury Hills. You know, was really well known at the time, but I was impressed because you had you had two bands that I didn't know of, um, and the John Mellencamp uh, album with Carleen Carter I was unaware of also, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. I did like all of the songs. Um, they are definitely much as in Liz's case, they're they're kind of off the track that we generally recommend, which is kind of why we want people to you know come visit us and be guests on the podcast, just to give people something else to to think about or uh, or listen to. Well, and you've stretched us, and I think there's a nice segue between your last song and my first one. So if you don't mind, Tom, I'll I'll kick off our list. So we did the same thing. We have five songs each. We'll go back and forth. Andy can weigh in if he wants or roll his eyes, whatever he wants to do, make fun <laughs> of us. Uh, but my first one is an old classic gospel song. Um, it was written back in 1929, published in 1932. Um, it's been recorded by multiple artists over the years. It's been called the most recorded uh, gospel song ever. So artists like the Chuckwagon Gang back in the day, the Stanley Brothers, George Jones, uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers, Kanye, Allison Krauss and Gillian Welch, and even Alan Jackson. That's the one that showed up the most. In fact, I thought it was his song every time I was trying to find who wrote it. But I picked a version by a band called Susto. They're from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. My favorite song by them is called Friends, Lovers, Ex-Lovers, or whatever. It's just a great... Um, that's a great title. Yeah, it's a great... Uh, that's the... Um, the verse that comes back to it whenever it's, it's really nice to them. Um, and they did a album just called Stories. And BJ Barham, who's from around here, records out of his band, American Aquarium, is out of Raleigh. He writes a lot of side songs. Uh, he's not the best voice in the world, is if you listen to this one, but it's just a really great version. I love what they pull together with the bad voice, um, not bad voice, but the rough voice that the rough edge of BJ Barham. And Susto just brings a bit of a lightness to it, but it's about, you know, flying off to heaven when you die. It was originally um, based on a prisoner song, and I think it's called The Prisoner Song. And it's one of the lines that I was going to quote. It's, you know, when the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away like a bird from prison bars has flown. I'll fly away and fly away. Um, again, not the most uplifting lyrics, but it is still you know, thinking of life after death. And I, there's a lightness to it that uh, I find it to be uh, inspiring, let's say. Um, and then the reason I chose this version, and I'm guessing there's better versions from that list of people that I just read off, um, is the the collaboration between these two, who I like a lot uh, separately. So, Yeah, I love American Aquarium. And oddly, I don't think you got me to that band. I think it came, I think my daughter is the one who recommended, told me, hey, I think you'll like these guys because she knows my general musical taste. And I listened to everything they, you know, I listened to one song and then I ended up kind of downloading all of the albums because yeah. I just, I love them so much. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you that um, the Alison Krauss, Gillian Welch version comes from the soundtrack of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Coen oh. Brothers movie. And that is one of my wife's 
all-time favorite songs you know, ver certainly versions of that song um, but definitely just songs in general she will play that sometimes on a loop herself uh and it also fits so well in that movie if you've ever seen the movie it's fantastic but uh that's a that is a great kind of old old song yeah it's not an old, old guy <laughs> it's well, even older uh, than not you, be dude. the first time i say this but uh it surprised me first of all but love the song and i'm i'm pretty sure in one of the choirs I was in, we sang it. So uh, um, came back, brought some memories back. Nice. Glad I could do that for you. So it's even older than Andy, who I think is older than we are. Not much, but a little bit. Not that much. Looks much older, is <laughs> older. <laughs> so we're going to alternate our songs. And, and the last two songs that, that Chris and I pick will end up on the third song in uh, season two playlist, which will be out on Spotify um, probably this evening, but also on other platforms now, uh, Apple Music and um, and YouTube Music, right? Yeah. Um, so when I approach this, and we didn't really kind of talk about general philosophies because I, I think Andy's suggestion speaks for itself, but I wasn't sure how to pick happy songs. Um, first of all, it's also hard to find them in my library, but I, I was trying to figure out a way to you know thematically try to pick five songs. And what I came up with uh, was basically a list of five songs that 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 when I hear them, I cannot help but smile. And so it doesn't it's not necessarily based on the lyrics, uh, although some of them probably go hand in hand. But actually, the five songs all remind me of something specifically in my own life. Uh, in fact, three of them remind me of each of my three children in one way or another. Uh, and the first song that I have on the list is, is Daughter uh, by Loudon Wainwright III. Uh, it's from an album that's called Strange Weirdos, which is just a great title for an album, I think. Uh, but Strange Weirdos, I think, is because the subtitle of Strange Weirdos is music from and inspired by the film Knocked Up. And I do remember that song playing in the movie. So I guess it's the soundtrack, kind of, for the movie Knocked Up. Um, but the, the song Daughter is, it just... Uh, and I did pull up some lyrics, which I'm not always very good about doing. Um, but it, it's very, uh, it's a beautiful song. It's, it's, you know, slow paced again, your beats permitted aren't going anywhere on this one. Um, uh, but my favorite, uh, my favorite lyric is at the very end, the, the last verse says, that's my daughter in the water. I lost every time I fought her. Yeah. I lost every time. Uh, and it, it is basically a guy looking back at, you know, his daughter is older now, but he's just just realizing how, you know, how buried into his heart his daughter was and how she's still there, even though she's obviously starting to move on now. Uh, but uh, that is my the first song. And it is lit every time I hear it, uh, it makes me smile and it makes me think um, about I I uh, and, listened to that one and man, what a great song. First of all, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I knew nothing. I knew him, uh, but I didn't know that song. Uh, but that particular line is the one I was going to call out as well. I had it written down and, and I think it speaks to something because most every fight I've had, and I have two daughters <laughs> and most every fought fight I've had with them has been a uh, short-term loss, long-term win. And, yep. and so I think it's such an interesting comment and such an interesting line on what it is to be a parent. And in the moment, you never feel you win, because if you do win, you don't, because right. you know you're you're going to pay for it later. And when you do uh, lose, you feel bad. And But long term, I think all those all those work out. So it's a wonderful line and makes you think about so much about parenting. That verse is actually my ringtone assigned to my daughter, Anna. So when when she calls, I hear... I lost every time I fought her. Yeah, I lost every time. And still smile, even though uh, it is very a very true statement. Well, I love it. I also agree it's a great song. It caused me to question myself, though, because, Tom, your first couple of songs are pretty slow. I know. I, I, know. I, I was. So it's funny how we just the different approaches we take, because my next one um, is Anything But Slow. It's a very poppy song, This Life from Vampire Weekend. Uh, from the 2019 album Father of the Bride. And this one is deceivingly uplifting because the theme is not really uplifting at all. In fact, I mean, if you did research, Andy set the bar with his uh, documentation for this. 
but it's uh it's been compared to brown eyed girl and graceland um i wrote this down just so i would remember it rose up to number 11 on the pop charts and it's been called the best thing the vampire Week weekend has ever recorded so basically it was a popular song and critically acclaimed so it leads to the obvious question of why i liked it how the hell did you pick that song <laughs> curiouser and curiouser <laughs> exactly um but it's it came from my son eli um we borrowed the tradition that tom and i started and we do playlists together it's a nice way to stay in touch and it's cool um, he has a much different uh, taste in music than I do. And remember when this one um, first showed up on one of our playlists, I wasn't all that enamored with it, but it might be the depressing uh, lyrics in there that, that cheered me up. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a lot about uh, suffering that is, you know, going to happen in life. And, you know, it's this life and all its suffering is one of the keywords or phrases that's repeated over and over again. So it's a lot about questioning, not your faith per se, but, um, you know, what are you bringing to this life? Um, and then, you know, how to deal with suffering. But the upbeatedness of it is incredible. And it's also a great music video. Check that out. Vampire Weekend. Yeah, you Chris, I, it's it's uh, it's interesting because uh, if, if I had to pick one lyric from one song that tied back to my book, it'd be Vampire Weekend Harmony Hall. And they have a line in one of their songs that says, of wicked snakes inside a place you thought was dignified. I mean, right. just, every time I hear that line, I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's business. But no, I, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Vampire Weekend in general. And that song uh, touches me as well. So right, my Tom, sec my second you. song uh, is, uh, is a song called Blue-Eyed Soul by Wilco. Uh, Wilco is, is, I think, famous enough that... Uh, uh, everybody knows, but it's from their very first album, AM, from 1995. This one makes me think of my son, Tommy, who is now like 6'2 and towers over me and is, you know, shredded. And But every time I hear the song, I can close my eyes and I can picture him at a roughly two years of age. In the and, and literally, and it, I used it as background for a, a video. I put together a slideshow of the kids, and I would give it to my mother-in-law, my mom, and 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 my wife Dawn. Um, and I used this song for all of the pictures for for Tommy at one point. And there we had a great photographer who took a bunch of pictures of all of our kids. And there's this just awesome picture of Tommy with a huge smile on his face, and he's got uh, he's got blue eyes. And back then they were like really light clear blue eyes and i you know and i in fact the picture's here in my office uh, at least one version of, of that picture is around here somewhere and I, when i hear the song or when i walk by the photo i smile to myself every time and as chris pointed out it's not an upbeat song and there's re really not much to the lyrics to tell you the truth it's just it's a really pretty song mm -hmm. um but it has more to do with just how where it hits me than anything else it is you know it's a great album i you know it, it that album you know, was his the was um, Jeff Tweedy's first album with Wilco after Uncle Tupelo broke up, and of course Uncle Tupelo is a very seminal band for me and and for Chris, and and it probably is the reason we listen to I listen to so much out of tune banjo, um, but the song itself is just uh, I as I said just can't help but smile. Nice one. You can see why it makes you smile. I will say, however, in the beats per minute category. It's one of the few I've ever heard that single digits. It's really, <laughs> whoa, come on, it's, pick it's it up. The drummer had to be stoned. He just had to. It's a beat per minute. This is the one that made me question myself as far as if I, was, if I had the right theme, because I was like, this thing is so slow. <laughs> I know. But, I I know, but it wasn't a beat. It was happy. That's the way yes. I went. That was my yeah. thought. That works. All right. So that takes me to my third one, um, which is... Uh, Rodney Crow again. So if you've what? listened, yeah. Um, but he has help, he has help on this one, uh, yeah. as he has another. So this one features Roseanne Cash, who is his ex-wife, Johnny Cash's daughter, um, and John Paul White, who was previously with the uh, Civil Wars, I think was the name of the band. Not their husband, wife, or just uh, two artists that sang together, but some really pretty stuff. Uh, they broke up. And this song is just sort of about looking back on your life. Um, what I like about it is two things. Um, Rodney Krause paying tribute to Guy Clark and somewhat indirectly probably to Townsend Van Zandt because he 
moved to Nashville, hung out with this crowd, and there's a great documentary about it that I'll put into the next post facto because I wasn't prepared to talk about it. They talked about how um, much they were mentors to him and helped him get through so much. Um, and there is actually a direct reference, if you, if you know to look for, to Guy Clark. And the lyric is, no, you don't walk on water and your sarcasm stings, but the way you move to this old world sure makes a case for angel wings. And I think Guy Clark had recently passed away when he recorded this. Could be wrong about that date, but I know he was in ill health and that was tribute to him. But what I think is a really cool thing is that um, Roseanne Cash sings not only with him, but had him. They were, he's talking about how he got a little too big for his britches throughout his career and threw away um, his relationship with Roseanne Cash. And he references her in the song. Um, and she sings this great line, I've known you forever and ever. It's true. If you came by it easy, it wouldn't be you, um, which is a nice little sting on him. And um, it's just a really great song. And it's I think it's very, very uplifting. Because in a lot of ways, he's, you know, he's at the peak of his game. And he's, I think, in his 70s. Um, mm. um, he was a big star back in the 70s and 80s. I remember buying one of his albums. And I didn't like it at all. It was too pop country for me. But he's really grown into one of the elders and he's done it. I've loved all of his last several albums. And this is one of my favorite songs in a long time. Yeah, I listened to that song, really like that song. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Tom. My uh my third song, my third kid. Uh the song that I'm uh recommending for the play this playlist for my son Jake is titled Otis. Uh, it's by uh, Jay-Z and Kanye West um, from their collaboration album, Watch the Throne, which came out in 2011. Uh, the reason that this makes me think of uh, my son, Jake, is because it samples Otis Redding. And um, if there's a, one of my kids who seems to embrace an eclectic taste in music the way I, I like to think I do, um, it's my son, Jake. He loves hip hop. He loves He's because of where he goes to high school and the kids he plays soccer with. He loves uh, Mexican uh, pop music and Mexican rap. Um, he loves, uh, you know, all kinds of, of you know, uh, contemporary current hip hop music. Uh, but he also listens to Otis Redding and he listens to Aretha Franklin and he listens to all kinds of stuff. And frankly, I think the reason he found Otis Redding and now listens to just original work from Otis Redding is because of Watch the Throne. Uh, because Jay-Z and Kanye West did such a great job in sampling. Um, in that particular song, they they sample Try a Little Tenderness, but you hear there's a, you know, it's a long sample where you hear Otis Redding sing, and he, you know, there's probably not a better voice in American pop music than his. There may be people tied with him, but he's such an amazing singer. Uh, and oddly enough, I actually went to, I saw them play on this tour, uh, at the United Center in Chicago, and it was, it was probably the only hip-hop show I've ever gone to, uh, and it was amazing uh, across the board, but the only reason I really went was because I wanted to hear this song, because I, I I loved this song before Jake found it, and now when I hear it, I, it's just inextricably linked to my thoughts of him, so again, uh, it uh, it is a happy song, even though you know, this, you know, the lyrics of the song, the, the rap lyrics are not necessarily happy and try a little tenderness is, it's upbeat, uh, not necessarily a happy song, song but uh, uh, that's my pick for my third song on the playlist. I just want to point out that all my songs are more upbeat than yours. More. <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I'm not yeah. saying happier. I'm just saying more upbeat. <laughs> that's that rarely happens. So that's all I'm saying. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean your list isn't better. <laughs> All right. Speaking of a beat and surprising oh. my standards, I can't help it. <laughs> I love this song. Uh, I Am Here by Pink. Uh, it's from the 2017 album Beautiful Trauma. I Pink. I know. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm guilty pleasure, whatever you want to call Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That yeah, song, for, I can. For listeners at home, Chris is actually pink as he says that. <laughs> really yeah, kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know how I got into it, uh, but maybe my wife, but I love it. I play it all the time. It That's starts awesome. with this little woo or whatever. It's just a very, it's a total pop song. And, <laughs> you know, even, and I think it's, it's also, it's, I think talking about end of life, 
Um, but one of the things, yep. that, one of the lines I like is, "I've already seen the bottom, so there's nothing to fear," mm-hmm. um, which is just a great line, I think. Um, that's all I'll talk about with the song. You have to listen to it if you like it. You like it if you don't, whatever. I like it. But there's a great documentary about her on her t- on a on a how, on a fairly recent tour, and she talks about how important it is for her to take her kids and her and her husband, who's I think a motocross biker. It's just some really cool stuff. But one of the things I like the most about it is she's rehearsing ahead of one of the shows and she had to come down pretty hard on some of the dancers. And she talked about what it's like to be a strong female executive. I mean, she's essentially executive since she's the, and uh, she said it's, she will often hear the expression. And she said this, you know, see you next Tuesday. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I had to look it up. And, and spell uh, it out. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go with the, the C and the U, and then the first letters of the next two, you can figure it out. So, um, but I just thought that was interesting. And even in the way that she said it, she's like, I'm used to being called that. Um, and it just made you think about, you know, we're not always on equal equal grounds, even though we like to think that we are. And I think all of us are very progressive-minded individuals. It was cool to be reminded of that, especially someone who's as famous as she is, whatever you think of her fame. You know, yeah, Chris, yeah. I uh, I saw her name on the list, and I immediately thought the tie that you had to her was that quite often in her song, she sounds as if, like many of the artists you like, as if she <laughs> just had a shot of kerosene. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah. Like that, that roughness to her voice, it just kind of goes, man, she's been through it. She's lived it. She yes. has. She is impressive, I will I will admit. I, I don't listen to a lot of Pink, but uh, she is... Uh... It, I can't believe we're talking about pink on one of our podcasts. I know, I know. It, it was worth it was worth the first twelve episodes just to get to this. Yet it again, was... I pulled you down, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice work, Andy. Ah, it's it's working perfectly. It's working perfectly. Right. So my fourth song uh, is not a reminder of any specific uh, individual in my family, but just a reminder of when the kids were little. Uh, and uh, the song is "Hello, My Name Is Izzy." Uh, it's by uh, Lucero, who I have mentioned many times in the past and is definitely one of my favorite uh, bands of all time. This this song came out as a single, or actually I think it was like on a two-song EP in 2019. So it's not on any of Lucero's albums. And basically the uh, the lead singer of Lucero, the, the primary singer-songwriter, whose name is Ben, what am I forgetting, Chris? Ben? Uh, what is his name? Ben... Ben. Ben, Ben. I like to just call him Ben. <laughs> this is going to drive me crazy. I can look it up in two seconds, uh, but I want to He's got it. a solo album even, and his his brother is a film director. Like, I know this guy's name, but anyway. Andy, you just looked it up. What is it? Oh, I, I did not, actually. Oh, oh son of a bitch. What you, what, you're uninvited. <laughs> anyway, this song is about the his, he had a, a baby girl. Uh, and this is a band that tours like 300 days a year, I swear. Uh, but he he clearly has set aside time to make sure that that his you know his wife and daughter could travel with him or he'd spend time with them at their home. It is frankly, it's just a hilarious song about being a parent, and uh, there are some really really funny lyrics. And uh, Ben Nichols, it, it is upbeat by the way, or at least more upbeat. But it's about his daughter Isabel, and I'll just. Uh, uh, I'll just read just kind of randomly from the middle of the song. The the verse is, hello, my name is Izzy. I keep my dad real busy. Open that baby gate. Let's climb some stairs. I eat bugs off the floor. I open up cabinet doors. I hear you say no, but I don't care. I'm Isabel. I'm Isabel. I love to bathe, but I still smell. (laughs) It's just a silly little song that I'm sure he sang to her. Like he probably jotted down some lyrics while he was, you know, hanging out with her. Um, But they put it... You know, they they put it to the band and they, they you know, it's uh, it's arranged with the whole band presentation in this recording. And it, it's really fun. It's a really fun, happy song about when your kids were little. And uh, that is my fourth pick on this playlist. All right. I've, you've used that on one of our, our uh, other playlists. Not, not criticizing, just saying I, I love that song. It's a, it's a great choice. It really surprised me that it was Lucero, though. Or Lucero, I, I don't know how I mispronounced the name, but... Um, and it's Ben Nichols, which is what Andy Andy gets the credit for that, not me. Okay. Right. I just said it out loud. Yes. All right. This brings us to our fifth song, which is the one we will add to the playlist. 
Um, and this is actually the one that Andy uh, referenced, the the opening lyrics to the song, Lock Me Up in a Padded Room. Ah, yes. Um, so this is a band called Smooth Hound Smith. And if not for this podcast, I wouldn't have realized that they broke up. So I went and did research. And uh, they called, they uh, announced a hiatus about a year ago. I think they're each recording individually. It was just a duo. Did some really great stuff. And they're, my favorite song by them is a song called Crazy Over You. I find it to be very uplifting. It is about love. And that what Andy had talked about, a lot of the references are to, you know, typically quote unquote crazy things, you know, being locked in a padded cell, shackled. I hope we don't shackle crazy people anymore, but um uh never know. But uh the my favorite part is, you know, my heart's been running around, never thought it would slow down, and I didn't want it to till I found you. Now I do. It's just a great um, little love how they change the pace. And, you know, the, I'm crazy over you repeats over and over again. Um, I love how they harmonize. It's just a song that makes me happy. And I think that's the criteria we're looking for. And being upbeat, Tom. Nice. Um, it's, it's fairly. I know upbeat, you love to Tom. dance. You oh, know, yeah, Chris, I it's, it's, I like that a lot because a lot of the songs that you think of as uplifting, uh, and especially when referring to love or, or speaking of those early stages of love, the puppy love, if you will, that are so saccharine based that they just don't have much meaning to them. But understanding how you change as a human when, when you're really in love. And I think this speaks to that well. I think it's yeah. a, a great choice. How Thank long you, have you known about this band? Since I've been listening to that song, it's I think it's another one that popped up from Spotify suggesting it or whatever. And um, I've listened to a couple other of their songs and I've liked them all. But this one is a standout for me. I think it's a great song. Because I, I agree with you. You've never put this band no, on haven't. a playlist. And I'm really bummed out to find out they broke up. Because yeah. uh, I listened to a couple songs after you you told me about this one and you know told us that it was going to be on your list. And then I I downloaded a couple albums and I'm like oh, I'm going to listen to these you know as soon as I can. So yeah. I would I guess I still can, but it's too bad they're not necessarily putting out anything new. So I will uh, I'll move on with my final pick. It is a uh, a song called Fireman's Wedding. It also has a very um, very personal meaning to me that you guys are actually attached to and you may not even realize well you wouldn't necessarily realize or, or remember uh but fireman's wedding by joe henry was uh first came out on an album called kindness of the world in 1993 uh which was about a year after i graduated from law school and about six months before i got married and uh, the one thing I was allowed to do at our wedding, I wasn't allowed to be involved in any decision making other than I got to pick the song that Don and I danced to, my wife and I danced to our first dance, which by the way was I Have a Little Faith in Me by John Hyatt. And I got to pick the first song for the entire wedding party. And being that you were both there and both in the wedding party as my groomsman um, or and and my best man as far as that goes. Uh, you guys danced to this song at least once in your life because it played at my wedding at the Rialto uh, Theater in Joliet for my reception. It just, so it, I, that's my my connection to it. I always think, frankly, I don't think about the reception so much as uh, the rehearsal dinner we had, which was, it was a pig roast outdoors mm -hmm. uh, at an area we called the Grove that my my in-laws owned. And we had um, we had music playing and we had barbecue and everybody was just hanging around. You know, we had a keg of beer and the, the the lyrics, the opening lyrics to this song said, there's a fireman's wedding tonight. There's a hook and ladder, a hook and a ladder and we'll dance neath a big paper bell and everyone will be there and we'll all wish them well as if all news will be good news from now on. And then there's a line that talks about uh, a, a wind blowing through and uh, paper plates rolling across the ground. And it basically makes me hmm. think of my, uh, uh, my reception or not, I'm sorry, not reception, but, but the, the actual rehearsal dinner, I picked it before that, but it ended up just kind of all dovetailing in. And again, it's a, it's a song that just has a lot of meaning to me. It is also not upbeat in terms of the pace of the music or anything else. It's uh, uh it's a slower song. Uh, but if you listen to those lyrics in particular, I think it is a happy song. And it certainly is one that uh, I've always considered one of my favorite happy songs. 
you know, did listen to it and uh, remembered uh, remembered. I knew it, but I couldn't place it. I couldn't figure out where I where I'd heard it before. But now it all's coming clear. Memories are coming back. My memories didn't come back. I just uh, I knew the song, but I I had no recollection of it being that sure. <laughs> I was well, there. That, but... Yeah. By the time we got to the reception, I uh, I. I myself was probably three or four vodkas in you may have been the same i know i was eating aspirin out of my left hand pocket because i had sprained my ankle earlier in the day playing basketball before the wedding so uh i'm not saying i remember dancing to the song but i know i picked it and i know it happened because other people told me since andy's done such a great job on this he's going to step in for me for the uh then and now recommendations we like to do on this podcast um, Andy, I very much appreciate it and look forward to your choices. So Andy, as I understand it, you have some recommendations from then, uh, before 2000, uh, roughly we like to shoot for right around when we were all together in school. Um, and the recommendation for now, which we define as being after 2000, uh, what do you got for us? Well, I'm going way back to 1991, and it really fits uh, with our theme of optimism and really where I ended up with optimism and 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 in grief. And I'm going back to a movie called Truly Madly Deeply, which was uh, directed by Anthony Minghella. Uh, you might know him from The Talented Mr. Ripley, Cold Mountain, or possibly The English Patient. Uh, won an Oscar for that one. This was with Juliet Stevenson and Alan Rickman, and it's a wonderful movie is about her dealing with Alan Rickman's passing. Juliet Stevenson is the, the widow, widower, and uh, Alan Rickman uh, plays his own ghost. And it's her exercising that ghost and working through uh, the grief. But there is a scene in that movie where he is playing his cello and she is playing the piano and they're singing. And it may be the most joyous moment I've ever seen on cinema ever. Um, and I, for that scene alone, it's worth watching. I watched it again fairly recently and, uh, I can happily give it four out of five egg burritos with sour cream. Nice. Nice. I, I've, I know of that movie. I've not seen that movie and you've convinced me that I need to watch it. So my recommendation from then, uh, is a song, um, by an artist I know you like. Uh, that I've loved uh, forever. Uh, although I will, to give Chris his, his due, I Chris discovered him and then I glommed on and started listening to him. But the, the artist is Lyle Lovett. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it, again, it's it's not fast paced. It's not a dance song or anything else. But he did a song called She's No Lady, which is I, the only reason I have it listed as a happy song is because uh I laugh when I hear it. He is one of the funniest songwriters that that has ever existed. And um, he writes some of the best music and best lyrics that they're, they're, some of them are just out and out jokes and some of them are just funny stories. But he has this great turn of phrase and She's No Lady is one of those. And uh, I just, I think of it as being a happy song, even though, you know, I don't necessarily think that's was the purpose of it. But uh, that would be my recommendation from then is She's No Lady by uh, Lyle Lovett from 1987. I believe it was from the album Pontiac. Yes, it was. The preacher asked me and she said, yes, he does too. I mean, yeah, how can you do better than that? It's brilliant. Yeah. Great song. In fact, this weekend, Tom, my mom told me, she said, I love that album you gave me from Lyle Lovett. I listen to that all the time still. And that was because uh, Chris gave it to you and you gave it to me. Yeah, but that uh, great stuff. He's just fantastic. Um, so do you have a recommendation from now, from more? I current? do. And I was I was searching through the more current information. And uh, uh, I, I'm going to another relatively dark movie, but it was done with such interesting twists and turns in class. It was uh, uh, Taika Watiti, I believe is how you pronounce his name, was a director. And it was Jojo Rabbit from 2019. And Scarlett Johansson was brilliant in the movie. Roman Griffin Davis plays Jojo. And it was irreverent. It was such a refreshing look at what Nazi Germany may have been like and what this child went through. Yes, it was dark and it was hard to watch at times, but there's no way you can cover that ground without being dark. But to do so in an uplifting way and end the movie with hope 
and a little bit of joy and a little bit of grace. I I just thought it was brilliantly put together and I'd, I'd watch it again anytime. So four out of five egg burritos with sour cream again. I, uh, um, I agree completely. I'm a big Taika Waititi fan. Uh, you know, there's been a little bit of blowback on that movie recently. I read something where, where people are now not, because I think it was nominated for best picture actually. Um, and there are people now that seem to have an issue with it. And I don't know exactly what the issue is. Cause I agree with what you said almost entirely. Uh, I will say that in, you know, in, I don't know, at the beginning of act three, or maybe it's the end of act two, there's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life in that movie. But as you said, the way it wraps up and the, the ending scene of that movie is the little boy uh, and the girl they've saved, the Jewish girl that they've saved. And they're standing in the streets uh, because basically the Nazis have surrendered and they just start to dance with each other. Yeah. And they're not dancing to music, of course, because they're on the street and there's people running around and, and what have you. But the, the soundtrack is playing and it is such an uplifting, happy scene that it it almost washes away how kind of horrifying and scary and, and sad the scene is where, where the boy loses his mother, of Scarlett Johansson. But the end of it is so uplifting that I, I have to agree. I think it, deser it, it deserves to be in that category. Not positive, but I'm pretty sure they're dancing to architecture in that scene. Yes, yes, exactly. They're dancing to architecture. So my recommendation for post-2000 is actually a television series. And, you know, this is one that I feel like more that a lot of people know about, but I, you know, sometimes I bring it up and and people are unaware because it was on network TV. Uh, it's a show called The Good Place. Ah, great, uh, great starring series. Ted Danson, uh, Kristen Bell, and then a great, it was a, a, a just a great cast altogether. Those two, I guess, were the stars, but uh, Jamila Jamil was in it as well. And then a bunch of actors and actresses I don't necessarily know, but there were great like bit parts that were played by Maya Rudolph and Adam Scott. And it's, um, if you've never seen the show, it, it starts out with Kristen Bell's character dying and uh, waking up and finding out she's kind of in the waiting room for heaven. And I don't want to give a lot of spoilers, but it was, I think, a six or seven season show. And every season was a complete twist from the from the original. Yeah. So, And it came out in 2016. So I'm going to spoil the middle of season one, which is when she finds out that she's not in heaven, but in fact, she's in hell. And they've they, they, the, these uh, demons have created this crazy hell for all of these people and made them think it was heaven. And then they just torture them kind of psychologically. And Ted Danson is a demon. He plays a demon in the show. Well, as I said, every season changes and the relationship between all of these characters um, changes as it goes through. But it is one of the most feel-good television shows I've ever seen. Uh, you know, a, another one to recommend, which is so popular that it's not really worth taking the time, is Ted Lasso, which also has just a great upbeat feeling. But that I was, feel Lasso is my first take, but I couldn't agree more with. Uh, I, I love that show. I've actually watched it through twice, and I sat with my whole family. We've we've literally watched the season, the whole series through from start to finish two times and it's kind of on our list to do again maybe this summer because it's just such an upbeat upbeat emotionally upbeat show and i really do recommend it to anybody yeah absolutely it makes you question what's important it's, yeah uh, it's good is there anything you want to plug andy do you want to tell us about a website social media anything else that where we could follow either you or your book or anything uh, else? The uh, the only thing I would recommend is if you're interested, the book is on Amazon in all three forms. You can get it, uh, order the book, order the electronic book, or get it uh, in audio book if you'd prefer to listen. And if you want to learn more about it, go to thegracearsenal.com and uh, explains everything that's going on. I think there's even a recommendation for Mr. From Mr. Tom Polachek on that website, <laughs> right. if I recall correctly. I was just uh, going to so... say, I have a copy, but you can't have mine, so... <laughs> No, it, uh, it's, again, wonderful journey writing it. Had a great time. And uh, if uh, anybody gets some good out of it, all the better. Well, I can't thank you enough for uh, appearing with us and talking with us. Like Chris said, you really pushed us a little bit, maybe more than we, we normally would be pushed. Um, but I like this uh, this format of having somebody come in with a theme and, and then hearing what they have to say about it. So thank you very much. I would ask all of you listening to please you know, rate us if you can on whatever pod catching 
uh, application you use. We are on Spotify and Apple podcast, and we are on uh, Amazon music in podcast form. We're working on getting the podcast on YouTube as well. Uh, the music playlists are available on all of those places now. And uh, in the Spotify podcast, we will, I will in the um, uh, commentary part of the, the, a link to the this episode i'll list all of our recommendations andy's recommendations chris and my recommendations um and you can find them there very soon we will have all of that stuff on our website chris is putting final touches on that and that will be third song podcast dot third i did it last time too third song in podcast.com uh it is not available yet but it should be soon and you'll be able to find all of our recommendations and links hopefully to the things we we have recommended to you. So Andy, can you do us the honor of uh, signing off? This has been Third Song In with Chris and Tom. Thanks for joining. Just before we got started, my dad texted me and he said, I enjoyed the last podcast. I never realized that you were such a fuck off in college. (laughs) 